When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Tottenham, Tottenham, don't be a Clottenham. You want goals? Tottenham's got the Tottenham, 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 Tottenham. I'm saying Tottenham very, very often. Hot shot, give them all you got. Let me make it plain. Tottenham are the kings. The kings of White Hart Lane. Top 10 Tottenham. Hello, welcome to uh, another episode of Top 10 Tottenham. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been an absolute joy and a delight doing uh, these shows. And our guest today is a man who's been on the show, Spurs show, quite a bit now. And uh, another man with a music background. As you, If you listen to all the Top 10 Tottenham's, we did one a few weeks ago with Norman Jay. Uh, he was talking about going out to America to find obscure sort of soul and funk records well this man is no different probably started a bit earlier than norman to try and find this stuff i'm of course talking about the soul music expert and northern soul dj richard serling how are you richard oh, i'm good thank you and that's a lovely intro thank you well, <laughs> it's such you know as you know I'm a, I'm a big northern soul fan as well and it's yeah. a fascinating world and kind of i don't know i think there's comparisons with with, with following football and stuff that is it is kind of tribal uh the lovely thing about northern soul is you're kind of champion obscure artists obscure songs and a bit like doing these lists people come up with kind of obscure games obscure obscure goals and you i think there's a bit of similarity there would you agree there is. I mean, certainly um, followers of, of Northern Soul um, <clears throat> will have their favourite clubs. So it could be Blackpool Mecca, it could be the Catacombs in Wolverhampton, it could be Tunstall's Golden Torch, it could be Wigan Casino and um, Cleethorpes as well. And they will be very... Um, loyal and sort of you know that they'll they'll fight their corner you know if a record was discovered at one club and somebody says it was played first at another club then there'll be a lot of friendly banter on that so it comes together as a whole but but there is that sort of um you know friendly rivalry shall we say and uh this is what's so good about some of the reunion weekenders that go on now is mm. it bring, brings everybody together and yes. uh, in one place which is, which is fantastic you know and it's interesting mm. when you talk about 
um, finding uh, artists from America. We had a guy in last weekend called Jimmy Delfs. He'd not recorded or since 77 he's from detroit he made he had 10 years in the recording studio never really played too many gigs and there he was in front of three thousand people on on friday night singing his heart out and sounding like daryl banks and everybody absolutely loved him how do you track some of these people down it must i know it's a bit easier do you go on facebook and that's a surname or i think he lived in that area could be his grandson i mean how did you find them the guys that found him, two American lawyers, actually, that are just music fanatics in Detroit, they heard that he was singing in a church in Toledo, Ohio. So they went to the church, went to the area, and literally went round knocking on doors until they found him. He said, come on in. And the rest is history. That was three and a half years ago, and it's taken us that long with the pandemic and everything else to get him over here. But there must be an absolute disbelief when you say to these obscure, you know, artists that didn't do much in their own countries, when you turn around to them, you know, 40, 50 years later and go, you know, Great Britain, you know that there's a big following who love your... Excuse me? They, they won't have a clue. Why would they have a clue that there's this... this it's incredible. The loyalty shown here to artists from the past differs greatly from America, really. Um, you know, our history means so much to us. And Jimmy, you know, will never forget what happened on, on Friday night. And of course, then afterwards, he was around the venue, people signing photographs, giving him old records and what have you. And I can't even imagine what sort of impact it's had on him. And the guys, when I brought them from the airport on Thursday, they said, you're in for a real treat here. I had no idea because how he's going to be, because you always think the worst, really. Well, he hasn't sung for 40, 50 years. What's he going to be like? You know, will he, will he go to pieces on stage? Will he forget the words? And they were right. I mean, I think they've been rehearsing him in America, thank goodness. But he brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And then the other artists we had on, a, a, a better known, uh, Gene Kahn and uh, Eddie Holman and Bessie Harris. So it was great. So, yeah, I mean, football and... Uh, and soul music and, you know, discovering new tracks, um, very important, obviously. And, and Norman, Norman's uh, followed a slightly different path to myself, but not mm. that different. What's, interest, what's interesting as well, again, a lot of people who come to our monthly Spursha events, when we do the smaller events, you know, we do try and track down sometimes. I mean, you know, we famously, certainly the first podcast, the first live event, tracking down Alan Gilzine, who disappeared Brilliant. for many, many years. We've had, and not just us, other other people have had as well, but you know, people like Alfie Conn we had on this season who didn't play that much for Spurs because of injuries and stuff. And yet, you know, again, 40-odd years on, there's people that he's still a hero and people remember certain goals as people remember certain tracks. And where were they when they heard that first song? As you mentioned at the top of the show, it's just our, it's basically the narrative of our life. And that sort of brings us to the show Top 10 Tottenham. What is unique about your list and we've done, this is our second season now, and I can safely say, maybe apart from one here, none of these have been on any top 10 okay. list. What I love about them is the incredible link with most of the games with the Northwest. So yeah. give people a sort of background about you being from the Northwest, how mm. you became a Spurs fan, you know, because it's, if you could sort of relay that to us. I was, I was saying to somebody at the weekend about this, because they said, how can we support Spurs when you were born in Manchester? And I said, well, not only um, did Spurs, uh, I decided to sort, support Spurs when they did the double uh, or just after they'd done the double. They actually made me a football fan. It was more than just being a Spurs fan because the way they played the game. And I remember 
I think when I was about well, 10, I guess, uh, walk into the living room at home and must have been something like Kenneth Woolston at home and saying, and surely Spurs are the greatest team of the century. The name, the Hotspur bit, you know, that the, 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 is still for me the, the most wonderful, wonderful name. Probably Crew Alexandra might be the next, but, but certainly yeah, Tottenham Hotspur. The way they played made me fall in love with the game. I don't know if I would have been a football fan, but for that sort of wonderful, it was like back then, it was like watching, you know, Barcelona in their pomp, really. They were just, they were just on a completely different level, um, that team that, that won those trophies in the early 1960s. And of course, I hadn't got a clue that Tottenham was uh, 200 miles away. And then you and then you starved of the information, of course, because back then, the newspapers, it's different now, of course, the more national in their coverage. But they wouldn't cover any, unless we were playing in the Northwest, you wouldn't read any reports about the games. It would literally be quick to the news agents at five o'clock on a Saturday. And they used to have these newspapers, I'm sure you had them as well, newspapers that came out which would type the results down the right hand column. And that would be the first you'd know about how Spurs had done that day. Yeah, there was like the pink paper up north, wasn't there? Exactly, the that's right. That the out. buff in Bolton and the pink in mm. Manchester. Yeah. yeah, and that literally, you think, my God, so you didn't know during the game what was going on? Not, no, not at all. So you'd see, you know, Spurs five, Leicester four, and you could only imagine what that must have been like. So when you got a chance to actually go to a game, um, there was no... I mean, now I'm quite choosy, to be honest, and, and I'm lazy. Uh, because they're on TV and, you know, you can sit back and you know, it doesn't interrupt your schedule too much. If I lived in London, it'd be different, by the way, but I don't. I'm still in Manchester. Back then, and right into the 80s, actually, if we we're at Sunderland away in the League Cup game on a Tuesday or Lincoln, I'd be there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Did you have any family that was into football that kind of piqued your interest or did it just uh, come completely out of the blue? Yeah, well, I was adopted. Uh, right, one- Couple adopted me, and my dad was uh, Arthur from Rich from 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 London. Okay, and he actually was an Arsenal fan, but he right. said to me that what he used to do was go every other week to Spurs. Right, and, you know, he was the most wonderful man, and <laughs> certainly there was never any rivalry between the two of us. And he at no stage did he say, "Oh, come on, you know, get 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 with the other the, the red and white." He, he never said that. To me. He was he was great, and he took me to a lot of these early games. Mm. Most notably, this first one in. March well, the fir- well, the first one, yeah, March yeah. the 3rd, 1962. I'm glad I'm glad we don't have this one. Manchester City 6, Tottenham 2. Greaves got both our goals. What, was this presumably your first game you went to? It was, 60 years ago. Um, wow. A very dull day, I remember. But I think John Hollerbrett was in goal. Right. I don't think, I don't think Jennings had joined us then, had he? I'm no, he was 64. Bill Brown would have been. He yeah. must have been. <clears throat> 6-0 it was until the last minute. And then <laughs> Greaves got two at the end, and it was weird because, of course, we were the, we were the double winners. You know, we were yeah. the, the cup winners then, so that was that was amazing. Really, I can't remember too much else about it, but it certainly was an interesting game to be the first one that I ever saw. So I'd just have been uh, nine when I saw that game. Had I you guess. seen? Had you seen Spurs on the TV in the '61 Cup final? Had you seen anything before? Yes. Yes. Right. The, okay. The, the cup games were shown, and uh, I must have seen some things on on the early TV programs as well. Very, very rainy, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but that that was, you know, it, it, I wasn't as, as upset then as I was some of the later games in the mid '60s, 
when I must have got a little bit more partisan in my... I used to go to Old Trafford and we used to lose 5-1 and Charlton had always scored from third. And then we'd hammer them 5-1 at the lane mm. in the reverse fixture. That was always quite interesting. Did but you remember, find anyone at school, though, growing no. up? Did you find... So literally just you, the only Tottenham fan in your area? I went to a grammar school in Greater Manchester and it was they, they were all United fans. In fact, I can remember them trying to persuade me to, to to come across to the dark side and you know, come on the uh, on the Stratford paddock with us, but, but I'd never do that. I'd never do that. It's actually one one game I didn't mention in this. And I'm just going to go off a tangent. Was the most we had the most amazing run at the end of I think it was the 1969 season. I think we had people like Keith Posse playing for us. We lost one nil, but we played them off the park at Old Trafford. And we went the rest of the season and won practically every other game and nearly won the league. It was absolutely amazing. They were so brilliant that season. 68-69, I think that was. Oh, well, I'll look that, look that one up. Your next one, uh, about less than a year later, December the 7th, 1963, another one in the Northwest, Bolton 1, Tottenham 3, Greaves, Dyson and an own goal. Why did this one go in your top 10 Tottenham? Well, I remember walking down to Burnden Park, as it was then, which used to be located in the centre of Bolton. They've sadly now moved right to the outskirts, a bit soulless. But then it was right in the centre. I remember walking down the slope and seeing a guy with a great big cockerel on a stick and, and all the colours and, and everything. And, of course, you know, the rosettes and one thing and another. The game was absolutely amazing. And it was it was a game that John White starred in. Mm-hmm. And I remember... <laughs> The one thing that sticks in my mind is John White taking the ball down towards the corner flag. And Bolton had two very thuggish fullbacks, Roy Hartle, and I can't remember the other guy, but they both went for him at the same time from behind. And John just flicked the ball back between his legs, came away from them, and the two of them collided. <laughs> The flag. What, a, what an absolutely amazing player John White was. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that was that was just the continuation of that fantastic team. They were amazing. And, of course, Greaves had, uh, had signed. In fact, Greaves had, Greaves had obviously signed for the City game as well, which was the first one I ever yeah. I ever saw. You know, that was an amazing signing, wasn't it, for just under 100,000? Mm. The next one you've got here, November the 5th, 1966, Blackpool 2, Tottenham 2, with Gilzine, we mentioned at the top of the show, Gilly getting two. Why is this one going in your top ten? Yeah, well, the the, the book in search of Alan Gilzine, of course, is fantastic. That's yes. the author, the, the Scottish lad that did it. Brilliant. Yes. Um, I remember it because he put the ball in the net as a back heel to Gilzine. I thought the first goal was scored by Greaves. I remember that there was a race through, and and the keeper came out, and and from an acute angle. Mm. Somebody got the foot to the ball and just took it straight into the net. I thought that was classic Greaves, but it must have been Gilzine. But yeah. the other old man scrambling and Gilzine facing the wrong way, just nonchalantly uh, flicked it back into the net. It's absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, that was another... I mean, I think about 1966. You know, if you're a music fan, immediately I think, well, hang on a minute, that's all right going to watch Spurs at Blackpool. But just imagine if you'd gone into some record stores then, what you might have found as new releases that are worth hundreds of pounds now, because that was right in the middle of the Motown, Stateside, London, Sue, yeah. and all those labels. Of course, I was blissfully ignorant of music at that stage. You know, it was it was about Spurs, but that that was a great and Blackpool then were, were a pretty good team as well. 
Yeah. Your next one is, again, one I, I kind of forgot about. And it was lovely watching this bat. And we've got a clip of this. And I don't think many people will, will say what we'll talk about in a minute. September the 4th, 1976. You talked about Old Trafford many times. Man United 2, Tottenham 3. This obviously was a Tottenham team that went down. Uh, this season, but we won Old Trafford with goals from Ralph Coates, John Pratt and Ian Moores. Let's listen to those goals now. Couple on the right foot. Oh, what a superb shot! Steve Coppel, the scorer. The early pressure pays off and so much of it had come from him. Lurking on the left as the corner came out. He's so strong on that right foot. Beautifully struck, right in the far corner. McElroy. Taking on Osgood, and it's come to Koppel. Pearson, and again, Pearson! best openings Tottenham have created that just goes to show that the game is not over oh off the line but was it in and the referee's given a goal I suspect it may have come last off a United defender but the goal's been given Stuart Houston trying to knock it off the line, but it was behind. Naylor. Neighbour. It's a fair cross, and Moores came in! And all of a sudden, it's a very different game. Ian Moores scoring in his first league match for Tottenham. After opening his account in the League Cup tie on Tuesday, what a good goal it was. Naylor to Neighbour, a very good cross from Jimmy Neighbour, and Moores came thundering in to volley it in. To make a substitution, Ralph Coates has come off, and he's been replaced by John Pratt. Sammy McElroy has come off, and David McCreary is coming on. by Hill Pratt Pratt again oh it's there and well might Alex Stepney shout in disgust at his defence because Spurs have come from two down to lead 3-2 John Pratt the substitute had one try came back to him well struck the second time he was given room for the shot and he puts it away only 12 minutes left. Referee has checked with both linesmen that time is up. And it may be that it's too late for Manchester United, and indeed it is. If ever there was a match of two halves, this was it. 
United will look back at the first half and think not of just the two goals they scored, but the number they missed. But Spurs will look back with pride at their recovery in the second half. The first goal coming from a corner, which I suppose has to go down to Ralph Coates, who took the corner. Moore's equalising, and then John Pratt, the substitute, producing the winner 12 minutes from time. What did this one go in? This was a, a, a great one to put in. This was a a token of my fanaticism for Spurs at that time because I was on holiday with the family in North Wales and I was DJing at Wigan Casino as well. And I said to my family, I'm sorry, I'm leaving at midday on Saturday. I'm going to go to that game, come what may, and then I'm going to go on and do the all-nighter. And I did go, and I remember exactly where I stood. It was in the Stretford M Paddock, which is the worst place you can stand there, under the cantilever stand, which had been built recently for the uh, for the World Cup. And we were absolutely dreadful in the first half. It was one of those games where we could have been four or five down, and you thought, we're going to end up losing this nil. And for whatever reason, just after the break, John Pratt had a oh, flash goal. shot. Great goal, yeah. And it suddenly inspired us. Uh, Ian Moore's, I think, had just been signed not long before that. And we ended up 2-3. I couldn't stop myself celebrating. And I was the only Spurs fan in that area. And I can remember people trying to reach down from the cantilever stand. And I left the ground about five. I ran out about five minutes before the end. I remember I was so scared. I kept running into, into Trafford Park where the old tram lines are, thinking I'm going to be chased here. But it was just it was just an amazing turnaround. But the season didn't didn't work out very well for us. But no. yeah, it was just one of those games that I'll, ne- I'll never forget, really. It was a, one of the most hostile atmospheres I'll ever, ever encounter at a game, I think. You said now you 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 obviously DJ and the Northern Soul scene is is big. Was this a time when you could talk about football allegiance? I had Simon Raymond on recently from the Copter Twins, and and he was sort of saying certainly in the eighties because of the hooliganism, you didn't talk to the enemy about what football team you supported. Was it kind of different in that scene? Was it sort of okay? Yeah, people knew I was a Spurs fan. I remember going to Wigan Casino the night after we'd lost eight two at Derby. I think that was 1978, wasn't it, or something like that. And I quite often make anecdotes on the on the microphone. The the other one would, I've uh, not put it in here, but the seven one defeated Anfield. I'd gone straight there, Wigan Oldies all night on the Friday, which stood right at the back on the open on the terraces there. Lost, was it seven nil? It was seven nil. Seven nil, yeah. And um, I went on stage. And um, made some crack. There was a, there was a record I played at the time by Bobby Goldsborough, which is called "Too Many People," and I said, "Say, so sounds a bit stupid now," but I said, "Well, we just couldn't do anything there. There were just too many people, meaning the, the size of the crowd and one thing and another." And people still remember that. But it was always a bit of um, a bit of banter. There's never really any nastiness with 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 that. But no, we're never never really scared to. Uh, so we have a lot of Southampton fans came up and they give us a and Newcastle. There's a guy I always turned up with the Newcastle shirt on, mm. always, and yeah. he always put the same record. You know, yeah. I knew what he was going to ask for before he came on stage. But we'd have a lot of banter about the football that afternoon when everything, of course, in those days was played on the Saturday afternoon. Yes, of course. When does your when did the music collecting really start and why? For you. Collecting started in 1970, junk shopping as we used to call it. Now it'd be called car boot, wouldn't it? But uh, I suppose based on or inspired by Radio Caroline, Radio Luxembourg, because the BBC never played any. Um, a lot of good soul music was played. I met my girlfriend then, wife-to-be. She got me into James Carr, Lorraine Ellison, The Devils and people like that. Um, so off we went into Moss Side or wherever looking for records. 
then I sort of fell into the Pendulum Club in Manchester, which is a, a not not called Northern Soul then. It was just old soul, rare soul, import soul. <clears throat> became fascinated with the records. Hang, hang, on, hang on a minute. Why are these records so good, yet so hard to find? What, why haven't they been released in the UK? Or if they were, why have I never heard them before? And it sort of just took over from there, really. And, and, and I would say with, with Northern Soul, and soul, to be honest, it's the music that loves us back, and it's the music that actually tells the story of our lives. And certainly you can, yeah, I like music that you can actually relate to, and uh, soul music is is is, is absolutely uh, music that you, people will never, it, it will never leave you once you get hooked on soul music and it's 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 got that sort of cultish underground edge to it well you know it is a bit elitist to be honest with you and as a dj yeah i was the first to play that oh look what i've got you haven't got all that sort of thing but that that's what made it tick uh, a bit like sort of the jamaican uh, the, the jamaican scene was the same as well first to put labels over the records so people yeah. wouldn't do identity of the artist yeah. We used to do all that as well. You but know. how did you, in those early days, before it became a, a career, how did you subsidise stuff? Because, you know, some of these, these singles, you know, ain't cheap. <laughs> couldn't afford, couldn't afford. I mean, the, the records that were, it's all right saying, you, yeah, I've just said it myself. Why wasn't I in the record shops in 1966? I've had no money. And I had, had very little money in 1970. So, you know, back, back then, you were, uh, I mean, my goodness me, if, if you'd known then, what you know now, and you could have spent, I don't know what it would have taken in the 70s, but maybe 50 grand, you'd have two million pounds worth now. That's that's the way it is, because so many of the records are 500 pounds to 10,000 pounds, and they were 25, 30, 40 quid. But in 90, by the time we got to the end of Wigan in 81, everybody thought, well, you know, we're moving on now, jazz, funk or whatever, Northern Soul just become a thing of the past. And it's absolutely not worked out that way. It's far from it. It's bigger now than it ever was. Amazing, amazing. Let's go back to the games. Uh, I remember this season oh. very, very well, the season we were in the second division. And this was two huge games. And this was uh, um, this was November the 26th, 1977 at Bolton. It finished Bolton 1, Tottenham 0, Ian Greaves for Bolton. Why did this one go in? Okay, this was a, a disaster for me. Uh, I'd arranged to meet some Bolton fans in the morning at about 10 and we'd gone on a drinking spree, pints of lager in a working men's club with whiskey chasers. <laughs> I was barely, barely gone by the time I got to the ground. I got to the ground, I ended up sitting in the main stand at Verndon in the middle of Bolton fans, uh, completely out of it, which is, is yeah, I'm, not, I'm not proud to say it. Um, but so confident we were going to win it. And on the left-hand side, as you looked, there's a huge open railway embankment and it was packed with Spurs fans, 7,000 there that day. I don't think, I think we'd lost at Hull, but I don't think we'd lost anywhere else that season. And Neil McNabb scored from 30 yards after about 56 minutes. Nothing wrong with it, but somebody must have been in an offside position. It wasn't given. So I went absolutely on a tirade and practically got beaten up in the main stand. Then the game went through the 80... It was late on, there was a corner given to Bolton and Roy Greaves slid in and hence a 1-0 defeat. I couldn't bear to go home, so I went to a pub over the road that was packed with Spurs fans and stayed until eight o'clock on my own with the Spurs fans, just trying to drown my sorrows. 
they ended up finding me flat out in the street in Bolton and got me home somehow. And I never made Wigan Casino that night. The whole the whole thing was a complete write-off. So lost the game, didn't do Wigan, got absolutely drunk. In fact, I remember the reverse fixture at White Hart Lane where they had the Jones on us somehow. Hoddle scored the most incredible goal right at the end to put us 2-1 up. He curled one in from near the corner flag. Just unbelievable. I was in the East Stand and I could just see it was going in. And then would you believe in the 90th minute, we let Neil Watmore through and he slid in the equaliser to make it 2 all. That was the F- that was the FA Cup, correct? Oh, oh sorry. And then the we F- lost. That, that, we was lost the FA, that was the FA Cup. You're right. Sorry. Third I, round, and then we lost to the replay two one. The one the, the, the home leg. One nil. And if I ever get to record my own top ten Tottenham, yes, the home game uh, will probably be in my picks. We won one nil with a Don McAllister diving header. Yeah, there was Ex-Bolton. a huge game at the end of the season. Yes, uh, I mean, I mean uh, an absolute key game because we then lost. Away to Brighton, away to Sunderland, had to then beat Hull and draw Southampton to go up. So yeah. these were key games. They were. But I remember that, the one, your, the, your memory, that Bolton one. Um, yeah, I went, to yeah. The replay, I went to the replay at Bolton. Steve Perryman equalised for us. Now, I think they did as an extra time, didn't they? 2-1. They did. They did memory. Yeah, horrible. Time. So that was yeah. a horrible team to play that season, Bolton. Horrible. Yeah. Well, let's go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to carry on with Richard's top 10 Tottenham. Back in one minute. And with the back for the break, don't forget during this close season, uh, we are continuing with this series, Top 10 Tottenham. But you can also go to patreon.com slash Spurs show and get our daily news update shows, interviews with ex-players and much more. Great way to find out what's going on every single day in and around the club. Don't forget from next season, our monthly live events, which we mentioned before, uh, starts again. Go to season.spurshow.net. Sign up. You and a mate can come to all our monthly shows like a fiver ticket. It's an absolute bargain. And our first event in September, we've got Neil Razor Ruddock as our special guest. He's going he's gonna to have some stories, let me tell you. Um, right, your next uh, memory, certainly one that's been on a few lists. I was there that day at Hillsborough. April the eleventh, nineteen eighty-one. A lot of people would go with a re- with the replay memory. You've gone for the the original tie, uh, an absolute gutter. I remember as a kid in tears Ooh. when bloody Clive Thomas gave a Ooh. ridiculous penalty away. Let's remind ourselves of that game now. Here's Galvin, showing pace to get into a good angle and Archibald. Steve Archibald, it's his 25th of the season, but none have been more important. Here's Clark, looking for strikes it so Tottenham go back in front 
Bell. Here's Hibbert. Could be Wolves' last throw here. And Clive Thomas has given a penalty. Now to try and protect a place in the final for Tottenham. Willie Carr to try and save the day for Wolves and take us to the extra 30 minutes, which he does. And what of this one going, Richard? This was... Uh... Quite a match. Our first semi-final in quite a while, I believe. I remember. I remember the um, the radio reporter saying, "Oh, and that's an outrageous decision by the referee," because it was. But it, it, what what I, what I take away from that game is the crush behind the goal. This is a year before Liverpool. Um, the run by Galvin and then the, the Archie Ball's early goal. And just really you know, undeserved situation where we were pegged back at the end. And I was working for Radio Hallam then in Sheffield doing a soul show. Right. I went to the game and I was on the air at six. So I, <laughs> they let me down onto the side of the pitch and out like you do that now. Would they? Yeah. And I remember having to walk back into Sheffield and I just got back in time to start that show. Wow. But, you know, now I just wouldn't even countenance doing that. It, it just wouldn't be, you know, but I actually didn't want to miss that game for any reason. Well, I mean, it, it was the first semi-final a long time. Hoddle, wonderful free kick. We were cruising. And yeah. it was actually Hoddle that came back, won the ball off Kenny Hibbett, who even played in the 72 UEFA Cup final against us. And it was a, a, a perfectly good tackle. I think Thomas was standing on the other side. And gave it, and and Hibbert, I think, admitted that he, he it was the last minute. Of course, he took a dive, and we were gutted. I remember being thirteen, fourteen, in tears. There was an old guy behind me who said, "Don't worry, son. Don't worry. We'll, we'll." And you know, he was right. And and in fairness, I'm glad it did happen because we had that incredible memory of that incredible replay at Highbury, which uh, obviously we wouldn't have had if that penalty wasn't given. Your your next one, moving forward a few years now, again an extraordinary moment in our in our history. March the 22nd, 1986, Liverpool nil, Tottenham 1. Let's listen to that historic Garth Crooks goal now. Falco, Crooks, and now Falco, but Kennedy was just there in time, but it comes for Hollow. And now for, oh, a great save, and Crooks! Spurs go into the lead, and Garth Crooks is the scorer. Spurs fans go wild. So here we are again. It's Falco trying to get in there. Cleared by Kennedy. There's the Hoddle header. It's Hazard who has that great volley pushed away. And Crooks finishing it off. This is a great memory. Obviously, for younger listeners, we hadn't won at Anfield since 1912. And this was the, 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 the day we, we broke that extraordinary record, wasn't it? A fine shot by Mickey Hazard. Saved. Yes, it was. Lovely volley. And Crooks was there to bury the rebound. Absolutely amazing. And you're right, since the Titanic went down, that was the first time we'd won there. And it, it was just such a great side we had then, really. We, we mm. deserve, fully deserved that win there. And of course, we've won there a few times since. Yeah, you go back to these games in the Northwest. At this stage now, you're going to a lot of games. Did you then start recognising other people from Northwest who were also, because there's obviously a lot of them, uh, go to Spurs? Did, was you, were you now sort of going with other people? Were you still just going by yourself? 
That's a very good point you make about the, le- the, the the amount of people that support Spurs from outside the capital. Not only are we, the, are we the best supported team within the capital, we are easily the best supported team outside the capital as well. I always make that point to people. Sometimes yeah. they won't accept it, but it's true. It's true. It is true. And you do see you know, some of those faces home when, when you go to these away games. I've got to say that I've not attended very many away games at all for a variety of reasons i need to try and change that i mean i've got to say i'm more confident about i'm we're never confident being spurs fans it'd be wrong if we were but if we can't be confident about next season now we never ever will be with that yes. ground, the way that you know I, I haven't got a problem with daniel levy i think he's had a master plan and i think he's put those pieces in place incredibly well to put the to put the club on the right footing for the next 50 years and it's things like when the third goal went in against Arsenal at the end of the season, the sound, the noise. I mean, that is just, you know, no other club. You look at other grounds now, Old Trafford, Anfield, they look crap. They're awful. They're, they're not awful. That's wrong. But, the, you know, we're, we're, we're a league apart now from them. We really are. And I think everything's set up now. Everything is set up. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, finding that, that we're, we're going to go back to the sort of dark days. Uh <laughs> Back to 1978. We've mentioned before the season we went down, uh, the season in the second division. We've already talked about one game, a defeat at Bolton. This, for the away games this season, is, I still think, the sort of cult favourite. Many people listening were there that day. A bizarre game. Luckily, it was the cameras were there because, again, as I said before, second division games weren't really covered by the BBC match of the day. The famous 9-0 win against Bristol Rovers was because a London game called off. This, I think, was an ITV regional commentary. An incredible match. Ridiculous pitch. Mansfield Town 3, Tottenham 3 with some most comical goals. Let's listen to all the goals now. Mansfield beginning to exert some pressure on this. Tottenham defence. They've had goals scored against them, Tottenham, in all the last 13 matches. Looks useful, Martin, and that is Zurich. Dave Zurich, 1-9. 28 minutes in. Toggle now. It's a good-looking cross. Arnold Kane lost it, and Pratt couldn't get there. Arnold's still for it. And Pratt again, and Arnold's still there. And Jones has scored. Sort of chest against Glenn Hoddle. Hodgson with the corner. Foster and Sirik off the line. Was it in? The goal is given by the uh, linesman quite clearly. 
Holmes with it. That's a good one, too. That was handball on the blind side. That was handball on the line. Wood, surely. Gotta be. Gotta be. But the first handball has not been seen. Has he pointed for the penalty? Yes, he has. The penalty is given. This the very spot. This the very goal in which Dennis Martin missed his penalty shot for Mansfield in the first half. It's Huddle against Arnold for 2-2. And that's the score. It's Perryman. Oh, bad ball. Straight to Hudson. Early on for Sirrett. Chance here. Danes has come a long way. And he's missed kicked. And it's a hat-trick for Sirrett. Yes, sir. And Marsville back in front at 3-2. Taylor on Hoddle. Trying to chip it straight in, and he did! It's 3-3! Hoddle has scored his second goal of the game! Why has this one gone in, Richard? <laughs> it sums up that season in that division and some of the helter-skelter games. I think there was a similar game at Notts County of all places with Chidozi uh, playing. But that game was amazing because of the, as you say, the pitch was absolutely diabolical. Yeah. Yeah. Barry Danes had a bit of a mare. Yes. And one of the players got all three of their goals, I think. It was just like, Correct. he'll never play like that again as long as he lives. And we were such strong favourites mm. that you didn't get all three points. And we nearly got none, but it really was right at the end. Remember police horses knocking about outside the ground afterwards, all sorts of pushing and shoving. And I went with a lad from Mansfield who'd take me there, and I took him in the away end. <laughs> and he was sort of, you know, oh my God, what about what, what have you let me into here, Richard? It was, it was absolutely amazing the atmosphere there that day. But you know, that point was crucial, wasn't it, in getting us up when you look back? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's funny you're right. You, we, we did draw at Notts County away three three. Yeah. Also, John Pratt scored two Lee that that day as well. And when I've said on this show before, we obviously beat Brighton on goal difference. And the goal difference that put us up that season was the nine goals that we scored against Bristol Rovers. Which we only learnt recently. We, we did a show, we had an interview with uh, Keith Birkinshaw, uh, which you could, it's on the Spurs show feed from end of May. And the first time I'd ever heard this story, he revealed that he wasn't there that day for family reasons. And Bill Nicholson took the team that day and it was never really talked about. He took the team in our 9-0 win, Bill Nick. Didn't know that. No, exactly. Or wasn't there. Wow. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Right, your next clip moving forward slightly. Uh, one I vividly remember was that that day, and I remember the crowd trouble Ooh. this day as well. Oh, my God. March the 7th, 1993, in the FA Cup sixth round. An extraordinary match which was live on TV. Manchester City, Tottenham 4. I think it was a Naeem hat-trick. Let's listen to the goals now. Naeem, good shot, score! Daisy Cutter and Tony Coton was I think moving the other way came through the crowd from the half cleared ball instant shot and it went through the crowd through indeed the legs Samways
Edinburgh. That's good. Positioning by Sedgley. Who scores? But he had any one of three to pull the ball back to. Didn't bother about that. And Tottenham had the lead on the stroke of half-time. Manchester City went to sleep. Neat ball in. Good run. Nobody is close enough to him. Coton tries to narrow the angle. And is comprehensively beaten. Why has this one gone? And this was, was quite a match, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't think we were going to win this. I went there with a lot of trepidation, but we, I needn't have worried because, yeah, then from the from the naive shot, I think slightly deflected that went in. Steve Sedgley then whacked in an absolute cracker yeah. uh, right after that. And I think we were 3-0 three, three up or something like that before they got mm. one back. Um, actually, their fourth goal by guy Phelan. called Phelan was that he That's ran right. the length of the great pitch. Great goal. Great goal. Yeah, great there goal. There were horses on the pitch. That That's he was right. Unbelievable, wasn't it? It was vicious, the atmosphere there that day. But it was an incredible game and uh, absolutely amazing that we got, you know, we, we won that game. I, I, I really was worried that we would uh, we would fall fall at that stage, but we didn't. I was so proud of them. As you say, Naeem's hat trick was, was, was incredible. It was such a shame. We obviously, they went on to the semi-final the second time we faced Arsenal and lost to a late Tony Adams goal uh, in, a, in a semi-final like the one two years before where we were without doubt the better team. We were. Uh, and it's such a shame. Shouldn't this, we have had a um, penalty? It wasn't Anderson brought down. Yeah. And we should have had a penalty and didn't get it when it was still nil-nil. Yeah, that's right. Good I was memory. out with that. Yeah. yeah, me too. Your last memory again, it's just, this at the time was a huge game and this is like sort of early Premier League a bizarre and and we've had um we had lot during the lockdown I actually had Vinnie Samways on the show you know talking about this game it's this bizarre moment under um Aussie Ardiles where we were coming to near the end of the season and uh we were in real real chance of, of, of going down uh I'm talking about May the 5th 1995 it finished uh, Oldham Athletic nil, Tottenham two. Uh, we were kind of flirting with the relegation. In the end, I think we pulled clear quite easily. What was your? Let's listen to the. Uh, let's listen. To, let's listen to the goals now. Rosenthal. Samways. Ah, oh, it's a goal for Spurs. Eight minutes before half time. Desolation for Oldham. Well, I tell you, Vinnie Sandwich has got a big thank you to Ronnie Rosenthal. Watch the way he holds it up, he holds it up. He doesn't put a cross in, but he looks up. And he picks Sandwich out beautifully. But watch this. Look at the goalkeeper. Who's moving to his left? 
Gerard's gone early, I don't know why. Whether he thought Samus was going to drive it, but he should have known better. Samus is more likely to do that, and that's Curlett in the corner. Goalkeeper completely flat-footed. What a tonic for Tottenham. Austin. Saturday it might all come to an end for Oldham. You sense that some of the players are running on empty at the moment. They've had such a demanding week on this particular pitch, which of course is the responsibility of their own club. And this is a killer. When the team that you're playing against keeps the ball like this. Rosenthal. Can Austin get there for Spurs? They've looked quicker to the ball. Dean Austin pushed out. And it is for David Howells following up 2-0. And that could be the most comfortable cushion that Tottenham have had all season. So close to the end, they're 2-0 in front. There's an example there, in my opinion, of tired legs. Look how sharp Austin was to the ball compared to Rick Holden. Deflection's unlucky because Gerard's always at full stretch and he does well, the goalkeeper. He does well to get anything on this. And from there, well, it's a simple task for Hills just to change his direction, put it in, and that, in my opinion, has taught them safe in the Premiership for next season. Why's this one gone in? We got sucked into a relegation battle, hadn't we, with Oldham. The pitch was muddy. It was weird because it was a Thursday night, almost unheard of that that would be played on a Thursday night. We'd signed a centre-half from Newcastle, whose name evades me now, who was, should we say, pretty average. The team wasn't great. David Howells got the first, I think. I think. I might be right. And when the goal, I think the second one went in, some of our fans invaded the pitch, yeah. rolling around in the goal mouth, celebrating. I can remember mm. Very much. And I think I was on telly as well because there was some local coverage as well. Uh, but it was such an important game because I think if we'd lost that, we really were in trouble. As you say, I think we did recover in the last few games after that. Well, we did actually. We got it wrong. It was actually, a big, it was actually May 1994. So I said the May 1995. It's May 1994. Just to remind listeners, we went on a, a, on a wretched run in April. We lost 4-1 at home to West Ham. We lost 1-0 at Coventry. We lost 2-0 at Leeds. Um, we then beat Southampton 3-0, we then lost to Wimbledon, and when we played Oldham, we, we were skirting, and we finished that season three points off the t off the bottom. Oldham went down, and that game, it was an absolute... And fun enough, we actually lost the last game, home to QPR, a wretched, wretched season. I mean, it's just bizarre under our dealers. But I mean, that's why on this show, very few people mention those after the Gaza 91 Venables going. You know, we really had some dark days instead. We finished 15th that season. The following season, we did a bit better, 7th. But pretty much during the 90s, we were a mid-table team. Um, great memory. And I'm sure a lot of you listening uh, remembered that one. Um, what about sort of, you, you mentioned there now, at now and how excited you are about next season. Uh, as we record this show, Perisic has come in, Basuma's come in, a reserve keeper. Uh, where else do you think uh, Antonio should be strengthening before next season starts? I think the biggest question mark is a creative midfielder. And I think hopefully the Ericsson deal goes through. But you're reading conflicting reports. Yes. On uh, yes. 
he thinks he's surplus to requirements. But what we have at the moment are four fantastic, with Skip back, is four fantastic sort of, you know, more defensive-minded. Correct. But we've got to, I think, unless... You know, you know, we're going to bring uh, Ndombele back into the fold because he certainly... I mean, maybe he can be protected by these other guys now because he was getting no protection before. I mean, there's no doubt about his skill. It's just his attitude, isn't it? So you I'd, wonder... be, I'd be amazed if he plays for Tottenham again. I well, really, you might really be right. Would. You might be right there, definitely. But we mm. certainly do need that. As far as I think the right-back needs addressing as well. Yeah. Uh, well, Spence is a, is, is a good option. Um, and uh, then, of course, we've got this... Weird situation with Bergwin, who I've been very critical about, but there's a player there, isn't there? There's a player there. There is, but it's not getting it's not getting a run of games. You no. know, this is you know. I'll be back on him at least if he's gonna go. I mean this twenty million's no good. We paid more than that for him. It looks like we're holding out for around twenty four, twenty five minutes yeah. against Ajax. I think that deal will happen. I think Wicks will probably be moved on at some stage. That will free up enough money to go out and get a decent forty, fifty million pound player, I think. Um, it'll be interesting. There's talk of a Charleston. There's talk of um, this Rafinha at Leeds. I think a backup striker is is key. So many games next season. We've got this weird season where everything finishes November, and then there's this sort of six weeks of the World Cup, and then back again. Uh, Champions League football. He clearly realizes that, as we know, the squad isn't deep enough. He sort of gets some more experienced players in there, and that's why I think they're trying to get business done early. Uh, and I think I'm sure there'll be one or two more surprises in yeah. there. I think as well. How amazing that we made the top four! I, I was so proud about that. I really was because we were so off the pace at one stage. Oh. It just didn't look possible, did it? But well, we lost to Burnley I think, again. Another Northwest. I know. Team. We lost. We lost to Burnley after beating yeah. Man City. I that think we when... all went. That's it. That's it. We've absolutely blown it. Yeah, I knew that had happened that night because the yeah. weather. Was absolutely here. It was the rain was coming horizontal, and I just knew what was going to bloody happen. And I went for a meeting at a hotel in Accrington the morning after, at ten o'clock, and they said, "Oh, you've just missed the Spurs team." <laughs> and I thought, why were they even staying over? Surely, yeah. right back to the coach would have been a better bet. Can you yeah. imagine what the atmosphere must have been like in the hotel that night? They'd have been just getting them home, wouldn't they? But I thought, my God! Well, if if they'd still been here when I arrived, that have got a piece of no. But you're right. That was the that was the darkest. And of course, Conte's comments after that game. Very well. But what a what a guy he is. What a guy. Yeah. I speak to all opposition fans, and they all love him. You know, there's yeah. very few that ever because he's just got everything. He's he's humble in interviews, but so passionate on the touchline. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Richard, it's it, it's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, top ten Tottenham. Great memories of so many. Tottenham games up in the Northwest. Uh, and I know there's Northwest Spurs. I know Northwest Spurs uh, uh, listen to us as well. So hello to everyone at Northwest Spurs as well. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Please come thank obviously you. come again on next season on the Spurs show. Uh, thank you everyone listening at home. Until next time, come on you Spurs. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co. UK. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 